Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 364, and my guest today is Stephen Cree. I was delighted to get some time with Stephen. We get into it in the podcast, but we've got a mutual friend in Brett Goldstein, and when Stephen was on Brett's Films to be Buried with podcast, he showed himself to be just a wonderful human. So I knew that we'd hit it off. So although we'd never spoken before, I knew that this would be a breeze, and it truly was. It flew by. We had some time restrictions on us, otherwise this would be twice as long. So count your lucky stars that that you're not going to have to hear us jabber on for hours and hours on end. We talk about a lot of stuff, but the latest thing, I think we talk about it at the end, um, that Stephen is in, is A Discovery of Witches Season 2, which started on Sky 1 and now TV on January 8th. So you can proper tuck into that. As you'll hear, it's a hell of a thing to get to work on. And it's a, it's going to be a hell of a project going forward for Stephen. So you, you're going to be watching this show in the end. So get started now if you haven't already. But I'm sure a lot of you have. A lot of you will be here because of a discovery of witches. A lot of you will be here because of Outlander and numerous other reasons to be here. So um, if this is your first time, have a look at the back catalogue. We've got a load of amazing previous guests. Some that come up in conversation in this episode include James McAvoy. Uh, Florence Pugh. I can't think, I'm sure there's another one that we mentioned who's a previous podcast guest, but I have a bit of a browse. I've had everyone on. This is the 364th episode, isn't it? So yeah, if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Pit, but you don't have to. It's only a dollar. I don't really do much over there. Although that's a lie really, because if you go on there now in December, I uploaded 12 video versions of the podcast. So there's loads of content there, but that's very much out of character i generally just allow you to all sit there in silence giving me a dollar a month so don't get your hopes up but we yeah every now and then we do things like zoom calls and all sorts of stuff but who knows you can also head over to speech for all of my merch including the times best-selling distraction pieces podcast book i've all of a sudden started to push that again because i got a lovely message of someone who said they'd been a fan of my music throughout my whole career and loved all the albums and the albums meant the world and they bought the distraction pieces book just kind of on a whim thought oh he's not doing music anymore i'll give this a look and they said that they the book now means more to them than any of the the records i've done i've extended that it was they only did it in a tweet and i fucking damn right i retweeted it but yeah it's made me realize i've got this book that i'm really proud of that i that came out a couple of years ago and i should probably push a bit more now there's not a lot left and we've done it's like we're on the on the final print of it at the moment, I think. But yeah, that's all at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. What am I doing rambling on? Let's get into this podcast. It was a lovely chat, recorded at the end of last year. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 364, with Stephen Cree. tricky parts of the last few months doing any of this sort of stuff at home and trying to avoid either your kids or just you know because home is no longer quite as quiet as it once was because everyone's at home it's interesting though because the the human element is a challenge but i've genuinely found doing podcasts over zoom can be really good because when people 
are wanting to record, like in the agent's office or whatever else. Offices are always so bare that they're really echoey. Mm. Whereas somewhere that's actually uh, lived yeah. has stuff, has sofas and all that, and it takes away all, all the echo. So it's been like, it turns out that what people think is a really good, good room f- for recording is often just an empty room that right. that isn't ideal f- for recording. I've done a few like in person where we'll get put in a meeting office and we're just a few foot away from each other and it's echoing all over the place. And you're like, oh man, we could have just gone to to one of our houses and hung out in a normal situation. Well, you've also got a very nice mic on the go there as well. It's not bad, right? I've, I, I travel yeah. with my podcast gear in case of, of any opportunities coming up. So I'm kind of, I've always got that. But I'm doing a, a, someone else's podcast on Wednesday. And because I've had the same podcast gear for years and I'm kind of a, I'm not that techie. So I've just, I got the, I got some good shit and stuck with it. It's not like a USB mic or anything. And so they were like, oh, is it? So, so we'll just record the audio feed on Zoom or whatever. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. On Zoom, I'm just talking into a laptop mic. It's going to sound like absolute shit. But yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun. <laughs> but I should introduce you. I'm joined today by Stephen Cree. How, how I, I mean, I feel I need to date all of these because mm-hmm. the world is moving so quickly that so much changes. Yeah. So this is, we're, we're recording this just before Christmas. It'll be coming out in January. How are you at this point, I guess? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very well. Obviously, <clears throat> we've just had, um, so it's what is it? It's Monday the 21st mm. of December. We've just, uh, we've gone into tier four. Yeah, uh, in London in the last couple of days, which no one knew, knew Tier 4. I don't know if Tier 4 did exist, actually. No, no. Uh, until two days ago. And to be honest, the last, uh, really last seven or eight months now, it have has been one kind of perpetual lockdown yeah. of sorts. And so I haven't, it doesn't feel tremendously different. We were planning, obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but I am from Scotland, yeah. um, as is my wife. Uh, we had been kind of semi-planning to go home for a few days at Christmas. All of our family still live up there. Yeah, it was all. It was always going to be a bit dodgy anyway. Because do you want to go home and put the you know put the parents under? I didn't want to make them feel under any pressure or feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, given the COVID situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, we've now been banned from traveling up anyway, so it's, yeah, it's been taken out of our hands. I mean. The 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 pandemic has been feels like one of the biggest leaps in a move to Scottish independence in years because because the way Scotland has handled well, it kind of and been like yeah. no we ain't having having you stupid Brits in in the first half of the pandemic I've I've got I've always had family in Scotland yeah and we sadly had a death in the family and there was a funeral and and we couldn't attend it I'm sorry to hear that and that was that was a shame but we you know we watched it over Zoom or whatever it's quite odd but. Again, it was kind of yeah. As sad as it was, there was a a beauty in seeing how seriously they were taking. Because at that point, it felt like mm-hmm. England wasn't taking it particularly seriously, and Scotland were mm. going, "No, you're not coming into our country. <laughs> like, like we're getting yeah. this under control, and we're doing this, handling this as best we can." And yeah, it was kind of it's been an interesting year to watch that because all of the countries have kind of divided up a bit and gone right we're gonna do it mm. our way rather than normally oh we'll just agree with or have to go along with what yeah. is 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 deemed as the rules everywhere's kind of split off a bit and gone 
fuck you guys. We're, yeah, yeah. we're going to do it our way and see and see how it works out. It's interesting because I'm actually in a, I got married a few years ago and we started up like a WhatsApp uh, stag chat um, with like my brother and various other friends. It's basically actually all people from Scotland on it. Uh, and there was a real split for a while on that group of independence voters and um, what the hell was the vote back then? I think it was Remain or Leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Remain voters. Uh, and even the, even a lot of my mates that voted for independence, they were quite on the fence about it. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, I think, you know, most people that I knew that were voting, they were voting for the opportunity. Down here at the time, there was a feeling that somehow there was some sort of anti-English movement going on up in Scotland. And it was nothing to do with that. It was just, you know, an opportunity for a country in the same way as, um, uh, you know, uh, Brexit kind of came about. Yeah. Um, and I, an opportunity for a country to have its own sovereignty, uh, you know, yeah. run its own affairs, and ultimately to get rid of the Tories who never, ever, ever, ever get voted in in yeah. Scotland anyway. Now, I've lived yeah. in London for years, so I, could, I couldn't have voted. Right. And I was quite on the fence about it as well. And then I just so happened in 2014 to be doing Outlander, and I was in Scotland for 10 weeks, and I really saw this kind of fervour of positivity yeah. around it all. And when the vote came in, I was still a little bit, I kind of, my heart wanted independence, but my head didn't really, yeah. because I, I think especially now, the way the world is going, and even more so now, I'm all about togetherness, you know, and uh, maybe a fucking pipe dream, but Star Trek, the next generation utopia, essentially, yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. And all yeah. this, all this separation it's just surely, you know, got to be fucking worse and worse. And with I Brexit think, coming up as well. I think it's tough, isn't it? Because it's permanent decisions based on temporary situations. Like, yeah, I might have, I might have been more open to the idea of, of leaving Europe if it wasn't leaving Europe to be run by the Tories. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Especially this group of Tories. Yeah, ex exactly. Again, I, I was obviously anti anti Brexit. Oh, again, not obviously, but I happened to not have thought it was a good idea. But it did turn into a, a them versus us rather than looking at the valid reasons on either side of the argument. Um, and similarly mm. with the independence uh, vote, it did feel like a a lot of the Scottish people I knew who were pro independence were largely pro-independence because of the Tories. And as you say, yeah, yeah. how they've yeah. never been voted in up there, but always or regularly had power. But then again, you've got to think that these things are, the way our, our voting system works is they're meant to be temporary, for better or worse. I think it can be a bad thing. I think neither party can make any great progress because they know that no. in four years or eight no. years or whatever it will be, someone else will be in going, let's undo all of that. Oh, yeah, in a, in a way, actually. Yeah, it would be a lot better if we could have that that utopian, that, that Star Wars kind of, that <laughs> unity of everyone together going, let's figure out what works rather than mm. we're going to do it our way and then when you get in, you'll do it your way and it all falls apart. I think particularly now with like the next big thing that we're really facing as well around the corner, oh, it's not even around the corner, it's here, isn't it? Mm. It's climate change. Mm -hmm. And that really, 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 really requires the world to be working together as much yeah. as the pandemic does as well. And I don't know if looking at the past eight or nine months now, how together we are, you know, during the pandemic, uh, during the lockdown, during the beginning of the first lockdown, there was a lot of beautiful 
I think, and, and inspiring stuff uh, yeah. going on. And as that's gone on, I don't know if that feeling is there as much. And now, I completely agree. Midway through the pandemic, I thought this is going to be really good for climate change for two reasons. Obviously, the lack of flights and all that kind of thing. Just just in that yeah. temporary yeah, time, yeah. it's really helped. But I, I also thought what we saw with the pandemic was people like Trump and people like Boris going, no, it's fine. And then learning that there's something that they can't just talk over. Yeah. You know, no matter how much that they say, no, it's not a problem, it's real. And then it's going to have to be dealt with. And I felt that would translate well to climate change because there's so many of them who go, no, 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 it's all exaggerated. It's all this and all that. If they'd been exposed on one issue of saying yeah, yeah. this virus is over-exaggerated and then it turns out, like with Trump saying, I think I think it'll be good if it's it'll be done by Easter and we can get back to our... E-. And it's like, you can't just make things <laughs> yeah. up. You need to go off science. And that was that yeah, felt yeah. like a positive yeah. thing, that it would put a, 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 a nail in the coffin of the ignoring science that we're seeing with mm. cl- climate change. But then, as as you said, as it all went on, people got more and more resolved and resilient in the... No, it is all fake, yeah. but the, the deaths are also fake. And they're claiming anyone that dies has died of COVID. And mm. if you sneezed once and then got hit by a car, it's, it's like, that's not what they're doing. But again, I think people's love of conspiracy theories to confirm their own bias opinions is is seemingly un, unwavering. Well, look at, I mean, if anything, actually... The- <laughs> This is even, you know, kind of worse for science because you've now got, and I notice it, you know, I notice it in the chats I'm having with people. You notice it if you're on social media. Everyone's an expert. Everyone has their own opinions. Some people are pro-lockdown. Some people are anti-lockdown. Some people follow Carl Hennigan. And so they believe verbatim what Carl Hennigan says, but some people follow Imperial College. But King's College didn't say what Imperial College says. So then you've got... You've got undisputable science being constantly disputed as well, which is slightly the point of science. Science has always been there and, you know, science gets proved and disproven. But now you're getting, because we've got, I think what the big difference in Scotland right now is, and a lot of my friends who were were independence voters, I wouldn't say they would still vote independence. I think what they found is that at least Sturgeon is a good auditor. Uh, and seems to be a good leader. But Scotland has made problems as well. Unfortunately, what we've got in Britain is a lot of science being disputed, but then Boris coming out every time and stuttering and stammering and buffering and just talking complete shit. And it's hard to trust any of the the Tory spokespeople uh, right now, I think. So you've then got science that actually surely has to be based in fact. But even that is, you know, people are like, well, is that true? And I, and I, I... no, no, I just, I read an interesting article that said as well, you know, this is, this pandemic also is happening. You know, we've never had anything like this happening, obviously, for a hundred years, but it's also now happening at a time of social media. Yeah. And social media has changed, has changed everything. Yeah. So much, so much information getting out there. Yeah. And so little confirmation of what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> um, and, and I think also social media is, is responsible for the fact that, Four years ago, however long ago, everyone kind of went, you know what? I'm sick of politicians. I want a real person in charge, like a Trump or a Boris. And now we're all sitting there going, cool, we could really have done with a politician in charge during a pandemic. As said, rather than someone coming out and bumbling and uh, 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 it would have been good to have a politician come out and go, here's what's going on. 
You know, even, like for better or worse, it'd be anything would be better than a real person. Oh, absolutely. As such. Absolutely. You know, you kind of look back and realise how how kind of, um, you know, somebody like David Cameron, now whether or not, I, I wasn't necessarily a fan because I'm not a Tory, yeah. but I would rather have him, you know, in place right now than um, yeah. than Boris. Completely. Or, or, or Blair undeniably did mm. some of the worst things in power. He was terrible, but my God, was he a good politician. Like he could speak yeah, yeah. so articulately and calmly yeah. and, and charismatically. People like that, who again, again, I'm completely anti the, that guy at this stage. But yeah, you do yeah. kind of people like B- Boris have you have you looking back at Theresa May with rose tinted glasses for fuck's sake? I, I, I know, <laughs> that I know. Was a hideous time. So um, Jesus, like bring back the days of John Major. Sorry, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, there's loads that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about Star Force because that's been amazing. I really want to get into a discovery <laughs> of, of witches. I want to get into Outlander, but First of all, let's talk about Brett Goldstein. I knew I I was going I was going to say Brett Goldstein. I knew that's what was coming up. <laughs> um, he's a mutual friend of ours, and I adored your episode of films to be buried with. But I was also yeah. heartbroken, um, and I've not told Brett about this, but it was a heartbreaking listen because a few years back, Brett hit me up and asked me if I would come clothes shopping with him or give him some little tips oh. and advice on clothes shopping. And I thought I was his cool, f- 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 fashionable friend. And then I listened to the podcast and it turns out you were also his cool, fashionable oh friend who helped him out with um, with his clothing choices. Yeah, just to point out here, people that won't know this, which is probably the majority of anyone outside of me and you, Yeah, uh, I've helped you buy... Probably most of your clothes in the last... All, all of my clothes. All of your clothes in the last five or I six years. I mean, if years. the listener is at all interested, I have um, what I would call zero interest in clothes to the extent that it depresses me, the very thought of having to choose something to wear, which is why, if you know me, I only wear black or white T-shirts. Black yeah. for winter, white for summer. Yeah. Although today, actually... Or blue. I've actually moved caught, into blue. Yeah. I've, I've never actually seen that out. before. I think someone else bought it for me, and I was like, oh, I suppose I could wear blue yeah. when it's spring. It looks nice. Thanks, man. But anyway, thanks for helping me buy all those coats. I'm sorry you died. I'm sorry. Do you know what I have to say? This is the first time I didn't realise that there was someone else that he enlisted as well. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. I said, I was listening to this podcast going, excuse me? <laughs> for someone who is now, you know, particularly right now in this moment of this year, proving himself to be so such a polymath, yeah. I think... Yeah. You know, um, it's fair to say that he cannot go shopping for an item of clothing by himself. It's uh, a nice kind of, it's a, it, it kind of sums him up quite yeah. nicely, I think. It, it really does. He, he certainly knows how to pl- play to his, his strengths and, you know, and, yeah. and push in the areas he can manage, but he could never be a, a shop assistant. or <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Brett told me to ask about your Michael Jackson online show. I asked him about some stuff that I maybe wouldn't find in my notes or bring up. <laughs> my Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'll tell you what is it, you know, my right. So I don't actually necessarily have a Michael Jackson online show, but I did a. Um, actually, I mean, I don't. Can you even do a Michael Jackson online show anymore? I'm not entirely sure. I, um, I did a few years ago. Um, I was sitting in my trailer. 
uh, on Outlander uh, board and I had a, a headshot of Sam Hewen, who's the lead actor yeah. uh, in, in Outlander. I just thought I'm, I'm going to do something with this headshot, and I thought I'll just I'll just video and make like a, a mock talk show called <laughs> Hewen Talks, and I filmed his headshot, and I got a headshot of one of the other actors from Outlander up on my computer screen, and just did like really 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 bad impressions of the pair of them because Sa- Sam Hewen is Scottish as well, but Sam's got a quite soft and almost indescribable distinguishable Scottish accent. You can't really tell where he's from. So I did like a really bad part Irish, part pirate, part Scottish, <laughs> part English. Like, I mean, horrific accent. And people, uh, like the Outlander fans, sometimes, I've, and I've done a few of them now, and then it, it graduated to some of his special guests. And the one recurring special guest was Michael Jackson. Because <laughs> um, I've got a little Michael Jackson doll. <laughs> who my three-year-old daughter, incidentally, absolutely loves. And for a little while, through no coercion or, or anything of my wife's or, or mine, uh, she calls Daddy Jackson uh, for, for some reason. Amazing. And sometimes sleeps with it, which is kind of... Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and, and yeah, the, funnily enough, the... Um, there were so many comments from Outlander fans saying, oh my God, your accent is exactly the same as Sam's. Your impersonation is perfect. And if you heard it and you heard what Sam sounds like, you would know that it's not perfect. On on a, sh- a show I'm on at the moment, I had to do, I'm sure I can say details, I had to do a little bit in, in Spanish. Okay. It was it was a, a, a little bit of a, s- a song and I don't speak any Spanish at all. So I'd been preparing it, but thankfully our... our our director on this episode is is Mexican, and so I sent a little recording to kind of get that because I was concerned. I was like, I think I'm nailing it, but it could just be the most offensive, like again, a really bad Scottish accent that Americans will hear and go, "That is amazing," but Scottish people will hear and go, "That is an insult." So yeah, I was worried yeah, on yeah. that, and it turned out yeah. it was okay. But yeah, I, oh, that's good. I love those things. On particularly again, it's big at the moment. There's there's been a few different f- 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 fantastic shows in recent years that have had British accents that have been just oh my god absolutely unbelievably bad and it and it isn't until they hit the UK that people are like did no one know how did no one know that this was that this was appalling <laughs> have you seen and actually I shall also just point out quickly uh, for the listeners that um, I did Michael Jackson was a special guest on that show. Before the Finding Neverland right. uh, documentary, yeah. yeah, yeah, he hasn't he enough. hasn't been back on here and talk <laughs> since. I'll just uh, I'll just point that out. Have you seen the the? Oh my, I don't want to sound like a dick saying this, but um, have you seen the haunting of what's it called? The haunting Bly of Bly House yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Bly Manor. Yeah, fuck me. Um, am I allowed to swear by the way? Because I have several definitely al- hunt, right? allowed to swear. And again back you massively in this i thought it was a great sh- show i know some people in it and i thought it's you know it it's rightfully been one of the hits of of 2020 but some of those accents man yeah and the weird thing about that show is despite that and despite some of the absolutely 
uh, like painful on the ear slightly yeah. you know and obviously there's a, there's a Scottish accent and funny enough the Scottish accent in it, and he's a good actor I think as well it's not even like it's that bad because it does sound Scottish it just isn't Scottish yeah and there's a couple of like there's a couple of a couple of the English accents <laughs> straight from 1920 or something yeah. it's quite outrageous but the show is still so watchable yeah it's a weird one like what's your opinion on that because it's again because of social media it's, it's something that gets discussed a lot either accents or if someone looks yeah. like someone like they recently yeah. cast the the pamela anderson and, and tommy lee film and people were mm. in, in outrage because they were like they don't look anything like them and i'm of the opinion that I want you to cast an actor first and everything else yeah. second. I don't want impersonators. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't yeah. be just, oh, they do a really good impression of this person. It's like they need yeah. to be able to act and play the role and deliver it. And obviously there's a balance in between the two because if the accent is so bad you can't focus on the acting, then, yeah. then it ruins it. But, yeah, like, what's your view on that? Because it is a tough one. It does need to be, as you said, the Scottish accent that wasn't, Scottish, but also wasn't quite <laughs> offensive. It's kind of yeah. If that was the only only one in the show, you'd probably be able to accept it and move on. But because there was a lot of accents all over the place, yeah, there were a lot. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be uncharitable because, like, no. it's tricky doing yeah. accents, and it's not you know. I don't think I'm a master of accents or anything. Um, but um, the, the weird thing about it is right. Okay, so using for an example, I just watched uh, the Crown season four recently. Yeah, and for example, like um, Emma Corrin, who plays Diana, yeah, and um, um, who plays Charles, cracking actor. Jo- uh, yeah, I can't think of his name. Oh my god, my wife knows him. Suddenly forgotten his name. Anyway, brilliant as well. They do great. I think like they give you flavors of. I mean, my god, actually, in episode one, Emma Corrin seems so like Diana, but they obviously give like a really good flavor. And yeah. a sense and a feeling of Charles uh, and Diana, but it's not like you're watching impersonations. And I, I just thought they were tremendous. And we're like, whereas weirdly in the haunting of of Bly House, you can actually you can get over bad accents. I yeah. think strangely, even though it can be a bit jarring to your ear at first, you then just start to accept that that's the way they speak, and and you get on with it. But to spread the blame and not feel as if we're piling on Bly Manor. I, I, I had that with the boys. The boys. <laughs> yes. and, oh, well, I was, and, I was going to say the boys. The boys initially, Urban's accent, it's like that's such a, an almost comedy Cockney accent. But then I'm a huge fan of the comics and the comics are written in kind of almost a comedy Cockney. It's like it's, yeah. it's clearly over yeah, yeah. the top in the writing. So that was another one, though. As soon as I watched a couple of episodes, I was like, accent isn't great. I can now accept that and absolutely adore it as a show. It's it's one of my f- favourite shows. I think it's amazing. So, yeah. Oh, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, funnily enough, I, t- I taped, uh, I self-taped for that role of Billy Butcher, but obviously S- if they were getting... In- so did I. So did oh, I. did you? Yeah. And, and the French part as well. I mean, I was looking now, like, like looking at these Zooms, we've both got quite slender faces, big beers. There's... Pro- we're probably going to find that there's a lot of roles that we've both been up for or self-taped for. Yeah, a hundred percent. My my wife actually, who's a casting director, very nicely the other day just told me, "I mean, you look like a lot of people." Yeah, you're not very unique. I was like, "Thanks." Yeah, she's good for she's good for like really uh, bringing me down to earth. My, genuinely, only yesterday, my partner said about someone who's a friend of mine has just finished the the script on their next series. 
and my partner said, oh, you should hit them up and see if there's anything that you would fit. And I said, no, look, they're closer friends with Brett. And again, it's a, he's another one that kind of looks like us. So I was like, if there's a role for me, yeah. Brett would be better yeah. suited to it, and they're good friends. So I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna reach out. Right? He can yeah. cover that. It's gonna, it's gonna suit him more. Yeah, I've been up for a few things that Brett's been up for as well. But yeah, I thought when I taped for that, um, when I taped for it, ah, you know, I don't know if my, co- I think my, co- I thought my Cockney was okay. But as you say, it was written quite yeah. cartoony. Yeah, yeah. So you think, well, I'll do it quite cartoony. Um, but then when I saw when I saw the first episode, and I love 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 the show, I did think, okay, well, actually, my I, I probably would have been okay uh, doing <laughs> <laughs> doing the accent after all. But weirdly, again, I don't think it detracts from it. No. He's his character does seem a little bit different from the rest of them, actually. Yeah, but it's a cracking show. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of cracking shows, or oh, it's interesting to hear of your. Of of your your trailer made talk show because you've 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 kind of it feels like that was obviously a good tr- training ground for something that you've um, c- come out with in the pandemic or, or been involved with in the pandemic of Starforce. Yeah. How's that been? Because yeah. the the first episode had or the lead in this Starforce, which is again it's a Star Trek style show, but all shot from from isolation on iPhones and then all pieced mm-hmm. together. Um, the lead yeah. is previous distraction pieces guest James McAvoy, but then as it's gone on, yeah. there's been Mick Foley, another previous <laughs> guest in Florence Pugh, who, who I know was like just a big fan, <laughs> and yeah. Kit Harrington. You've had some. The cast is like any TV show yeah. would be, <laughs> yeah, would kill <laughs> for this cast, and it's it's you guys. So how's that been? Do you know, it's just been, it's been really funny and mad how it's kind of gained steam. So it's still like the guys that wrote it, Kevin Maines and um, Brendan O'Rourke, they had done a couple at the start of lockdown and they did this one called Ellie Noir, which was like a kind of spoof Ellie Confidential. Yeah. And they did it the same way. They filmed their scenes individually on their phones and they edited, edited it together. That's quite hard to say. Yeah. Edited it together. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and I saw I saw Ellie Noir and I was like, that's fucking hilarious. If you do another one, can I please be in it? So they then did the next one called Robo Night, which was like a fantasy <laughs> spoof of Robocop. And I played I played this like wise old uh like wizardy ro- who guy who turned into a robot and I did like a really, really, really bad although this wasn't meant to be bad, but it was bad, like Werner Herzog impression. Amazing. And um but again, Vern is another one who doesn't sound like anyone else. It feels like he's doing a, a cliche impression Com- or a cliched voice. Completely, completely. And I thought, you know, like we're all just having fun. I filmed it here, like literally where I'm sitting right now. I filmed it on my phone. And then I'm really, I'm friends with James McAvoy and I'd showed it to James and a couple of other people. And I had already said to Kevin and Brendan, I was like, if you do another one, I wonder if I should ask James, but I was like, I don't know if James does stuff like that. He's like, he's, you know, he's quite selective about what he does in general. And yeah. I don't know. And I showed it to him and he said, if you do another one, can I be in it? So I went back to Kevin and Brendan. I was like, listen, James McAvoy's actually asked to be in it. <laughs> and so James is a massive Star Trek fan. I'm a massive Star Trek fan. And Kevin's quite a big Star Trek fan. So I was like, why don't, why don't we do a Star Trek spoof? So Kevin and Brendan went and wrote it and the rest is history 
And, uh, you know, we did it in the same way. We all just filmed our own scenes on our phones in the house. I then asked Katrina Balf to do it because I knew that Katrina's a really, really, really good laugh. Yeah. And it's like, you know what it's like, you know, in films or TV or whatever, if you've got James McAvoy or someone like James in it, suddenly the whole project becomes attractive. <laughs> of course it does. I'm I'm doing this show filmed on iPhones. It's a bit silly. I'm doing this show with J- James McAvoy filmed on iPhones. It's, it sounds completely yeah. different. It's two different, it's two different propositions. <laughs> A hundred, a hundred percent. And I, like, I knew that by asking James and by asking Katrina and by asking these other people, that my part and Kevin's part and, and Brendan's part and our parts were just going to be kind of diminished more and more, but yeah. it becomes more exciting and it gets people to watch it. And it was never a bit, it was always just about fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and kind of staying, you know, doing something creative, uh, during lockdown. And then episode two, um, Sam did it from Outlander, Sam Hewn and Teresa Palmer from, uh, a discovery of witches but yeah. I have to say out of Kit Harrington and Florence my crowning my my favourite piece of casting was Mick Foley uh, aka Mankind just I didn't see it coming at all didn't see it coming in, <laughs> in, in, in the slightest because again the, the, this industry is a weird one so Again, it's yeah. completely reasonable that your your mates with James McAvoy. It's completely reasonable that Florence yeah. Pugh will be like, "Oh, I've seen this," but Mick Foley is yeah. outside of that. It's always that excitement of <laughs> what? How did this? <laughs> he, how did this happen? It turns out he so Sam Hewen had tweeted something because he'd been getting abuse or problems online from from trolls right. uh, on Twitter, and so he put out a statement basically saying that he was taking legal action, and Mick Foley quote tweeted this statement saying, hey, Sam, you're such a great guy, and basically was supporting Sam. And I was like, Mick Foley? Holy shit. Because I'm a massive, I was a big, big, big WWF fan as it was back then in the 90s. And I'd read read his autobiography in the 90s. It's have a nice day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tweeted him and just said, wow, like you've got Mick Foley's support. I don't think it gets much better than that. And Mick Foley tweeted me back. And then I followed him and he followed me and I private messaged him and just said, listen, I have to say, I'm such a big fan of yours. I'm so excited. Turns out he's a huge, huge, huge Outlander fan. Oh, And wow. I said, look, we're doing this thing. We're doing this thing called Star Force. It's got, and this is the thing. I was like, it's got. With James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't bothered about that. I was like, it's got James McAvoy. It's got Teresa Palmer. I was like, it's got Sam Hewn and Katrina Bow from Outlander. And he was like, I'm doing it straight away. Amazing. Uh, and he did it, and he said that his mum, his mum... Now, this this is a guy who's had three books, I think, in the New York Times bestseller yeah. list and all the other achievements. Uh, and he said that his mum was more proud of him being in Star Force with some of the Outlander cast <laughs> than anything else he's done. Amazing. Which is, um, you know... And can I actually also just say as well, he is... He is the the fucking nicest guy. He does this thing every Christmas yeah. where he dyes his massive beard white mm-hmm. and he dresses up as Santa and yeah. he records for some people what he called Santa messages. Yeah. He recorded a Santa video message for my daughter last week Amazing. and sent it. And I'm not, so my daughter's just about to turn three. So she's really caught up in the magic and stuff. And she was watching this video and she was literally just like, Wow, like transfixed. Yeah. So, and he just does it because he loves Christmas, and and he's just a good guy. He's, he's been been doing it for for years now, hasn't he? Like 
just yeah. as he was finishing up in wrestling, he kind of and has yeah. continued ever since. But I mean, I think it's worth lingering on this just a brief bit longer because it's so easy, as we did at the start of this, to get caught up in the negatives of social media and the negative impact mm. it's had and things like that. But it's easy to ignore the beautiful moments it can bring like that. Like just the totally. you and Mick Foley going back and forth and chatting, <laughs> but then that going on to him doing a Santa video yeah. for your daughter and all this kind of thing. It's like all of that yeah. could never have happened pre-social media. Um, you wouldn't have bumped into each other and he'd go, oh, I happen to be a big fan of Outlander. He would have lived his life as a big fan of Outlander. You would have lived your life as someone who was in Outlander. And the two would never have crossed paths. You wouldn't have known that those things totally. existed. Like I, I had it really early on in my music career, um, and I've I've remained good friends with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. But that purely came about because they tweeted about one of our songs, and I was like, I've got a signed DVD from those guys. I like, I've got everything they've ever done. Yeah, yeah. And that was that yeah. early ex- exposure to the fact that because again, I don't know about you, but I'm not the kind of guy that is ever going to be. At, celebrity parties or, or these kind of things where you're meant to meet these people and interact and, yeah. and go back and forth. But social media allows the, the, yeah. that a bit to go, hello, I like your stuff. And you go, oh, shit, that's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> I like your stuff too. Oh, completely. And I think I've, I've definitely had far, 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 far more positive experience on Twitter than negative. The only negative experiences I ever have on Twitter, and I don't actually even see them as negative, is, is sometimes if I, you know, if I've tweeted about Trump or something, I guess, because I've got quite a lot of American followers from mm-hmm. Outlander, sometimes some of them will be Republican fans and that will cause a bit of a, that has caused a bit of a stramash. But generally speaking, you know, like I think 99.9% of the people that follow me are Outlander fans and the Outlander fan base is so enthusiastic. Um, yeah. It's always very, very, it's normally... Um, always very positive and as a result of that like I've had strange interactions on Twitter with like Donny Osmond one time tweeted me but I I tweeted myself in my kitchen (laughs) singing a song that he sings from Mulan and he fucking like quote tweeted it back and commented on it and then his sister Marie Osmond who weirdly I support Kilmarnock Football Club um, in Scotland she sang a song called Paper Roses in the 70s, which we've adopted as our anthem for some reason. Yeah. She then picked up in the tweet and she tweeted me back as well. And suddenly you're in a conversation with the Osmonds <laughs> on Twitter. And it's just, I I don't think I'll ever, st- I have to be careful sometimes, especially on jobs, you know, because when you're on jobs, I think you have to try and, I'll always have respect for people, but I have to try and also on setting on the job, just be like, right, well, we're all actors here and we're all doing the same job. But I, I don't think I'll ever quite stop being a fan yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, like, I, I love meeting people or interacting with people that I, that I admire or respect or, you know, yeah. look up to. Yeah, yeah completely. Or oh, two things on fans then. And the first one, I'll be brief, but I think Scottish football fans adopt <laughs> songs better than anyone else. The, the video, <laughs> a, a What Club Has Sunshine on Leaf? Uh, Hibs. Hibs. The video of, of the Hibs fans singing Sunshine on Leaf is one of the... Like, I'm a huge yeah. Proclaimers fan. I think they're one of the most underrated really? acts ever. They're seen as this, particularly in the UK, they're seen as this novelty band, but amazing songwriters. And that performance from from the Hibs fans of Sunshine on Leaf is amazing. And similarly, there seems to be so many Scottish football teams or fans that adopt 
songs that aren't just a chant or have been written for their club and yeah. just do these beautiful performances because where else would you get to hear a few thousand burly men harmonizing on a yeah. <laughs> on a song it's a it's an emotional thing well that ours is actually i think definitely up there with one of the strangest songs and i don't nobody ever really quite knows why we adopted yeah. paper rose paper roses by marie osmond i think it was number one at some point during our history when we were doing okay and the song when she sings it the funny like it, uh, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a nice song, and it's like, uh, what is it? It's like she's like, I realize the way your eyes deceive me, da, 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 da. and yeah. it's all quite melodic and nice. And then you hear us, and it's just like, you know, thousands, a few thousand Kelly fans, like, I realize the way your eyes, you know, <laughs> and it just sounds absolutely horrendous. And it's not normally when you get like a few hundred or a few thousand people singing something together, it sounds a bit better. Yeah, but. I don't know if that's necessarily the case uh, with love, Paper Roses. I'd love to see a singer like Marie Osmond see what the difference is between singing with your hands at your waist and two hands overhead. See if that <laughs> genuinely affects it in, in the way it does. But, I mean, speaking of enthusiastic fans, we need to talk about A Discovery of Witches because you're, you're new, new to the show, but... Yeah, the the fans are so enthusiastic. Like the Comic Con panel was was one of the biggest, w- most watched they've ever had. And it, it it's often the way when things come over from a book, a book that someone's connected yeah. to in their youth so deeply and so personally. I think there is a different connection with literature because it's all inside your own head. So you've completely yeah, yeah. created yeah. it, rather than I'm watching a TV and it, it's 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 on the other side of my eyes as such. Yeah, with yeah, a book, yeah, yeah. it's on that side. So, yeah, tell me about the sh- show a bit, and tell me about kind of j- j- joining a show like that. Because with Outlander, you you know you've been there a long time, but this is you kind of j- yeah, yeah. jumping in in season two. Uh, well, the premise of the show initially, it's um, you know Ter- um, Teresa, sorry Teresa Palmer plays Diana Bishop, yeah, uh, and Matthew Good plays uh, Matthew de Clermont, although yes. he goes by several different surnames in it. Um, she's a witch, he's a vampire. Uh, witches and vampires are not meant to be together. Yeah, we and, all know uh, that. But, it's, it's like cats and dogs. Yeah, we all just, we all know that. <laughs> we all know that. Um, there's huge. I mean, the, the the story's actually really. It's. I think genre pieces sometimes get a little bit. Um, not not necessarily the complete respect they deserve or the theme. Like there's huge themes in discovery of witches, and it's really complex as well. Or, or it's a um, mystery as well. It's it's kind of I love that it's a mm. mystery and a fantasy. It's it's not just here's this yeah. fantastical, here's our crazy, unusual characters. It's like no, we're discovering stuff, and it's driven by mystery and intrigue rather than yeah. just the fantastical. I guess. Yeah, and you have the like, the, the congregation and, it, you know, you've got big kind of almost, I feel, mafia-like family yeah. uh, stories uh, at stake as well. Lots of cracking, really interesting characters. And I think, you know, when I watched season one, I, I loved the books as well, but I um, I thought season one was like so beautifully shot and, yeah. uh, you know, it's got a fantastic cast as well. So when I got the part, or when I got the audition uh, for season two, and then um, got off of the part. I was really excited about going into it because unlike Outlander, uh, when I got the part in Outlander, I knew nothing about it. I wasn't on social media. I didn't join social media for quite a while after. And then I kind of found out about the books and uh, it, it was a, a kind of different... I didn't feel any weight of expectation or anything like that. Whereas 
with Discovery of Witches, I think because I'd had that experience on Outlander, I was very aware that Galloglass, the part I play, yeah. uh, a is a big yeah. fan favourite from yeah. the books. And in Outlander, even though my character in Outlander is a bit of a fan favourite as well, there wasn't an expectation about who should play him. Yeah. Whereas like with this, because I, I googled to find out more about Galloglass and some, some of the names that the fans were calling out with for who to play him are quite fantastical right. uh, in themselves. Yeah. Um, but I was actually mostly just, I've never joined, don't know if you have, but I've, I don't think I've ever joined a show after the first season. Right. And no, because yeah. I, I loved the first season so much and it was also really successful. So it's yeah. nice joining a successful show um, with like a host of really cracking actors as well. I was, I was mostly just... I was a little bit nervous, definitely, but I was mostly just excited yeah. uh, about going into that world. And um, I fucking love as well. Like, I was a kid, you know, when I grew up, I read, you know, I, I loved all the Ina Blyton uh, Magic Wishing Chair uh, books. I loved The Weirdstone of Brisingham um, you know, The Hobbit, uh, uh, the Harry Potter books and stuff. I've always loved fantasy. Yeah. And... Uh, I, I love the Twilight films and stuff as yeah. well. Like for you know, I love all that stuff for uh for what it is. So it was cool getting to play a vampire. There's something completely different, isn't there, about getting to l- lose yourself in a, a a world like that. The UK is really good at gritty r- realism. From mm. your, your, your this is England's to your Beats or Ned's or all sorts of other amazing. St- the, the tough in Scotland, Ireland as well. So much good, gritty realism. And I think at first that that's often the kind of right. That's what I want to be aiming towards. Or for me, at least it was like, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of thing I want to be an actor. I need to get these roles and do this. And then when you actually get totally. to start playing stuff, you realize the absolute appeal of something that's completely outside of your, your realm, your yeah, knowledge yeah. and all that kind of thing to go, wow, I get to play, as you say, a vampire. And again, a cool as yeah. fuck vampire, like not just kind of yeah, yeah. A, a cliche. It's like I get to yeah. play one who's slick and kind of the guy kind of thing. So yeah, he's like a total rock. You know, obviously season two is in fifteen nineteen, and even of that era, he's a bit kind of rock and roll compared yeah. to everyone else in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, season three, four hundred years on, he's a biker. Um, and the great thing about that as well, Amazing. I think I remember when I was self taping for it. My wife is a casting director, and she's really good at telling me uh, when I'm fucking shit. Brilliant. I'm not so good at telling me when I'm good, actually, but that that's fine. <laughs> it's good to know um, when you're shit. And I remember when I was self-taping for that, and I had a scene where I was talking about, you know, witches' hands and, and the brains of demons and da-da-da-da. And I did it a couple of times, and she was like, nah, I, I just don't believe you at all. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, "Think it." She said, stop, stop thinking about witches or demons yeah. or... This is real people. This is uh. the world that you've got to add. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I, I thought I was actually. But she was like, no, you're not. You know, you're not. You need to you, you need to buy into that stuff. You need to sell it. And you need to believe that that's the world that you're in. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing advice. Because, again, I think it's so easy with anything that is genre to, to fall into these these holes and or these cl- cl- cliches. I, I remember like, mm. one of the first things... I got was a period piece and I got told after the, the casting, the reason I got it was because it was being filmed in the UK. It was set in the either 1800, no, late 1800s, early 1900s. So all the drama school kids were coming in 
and playing it like Shakespeare. And because I didn't go to any kind of drama school or anything, I went in and played it as me. I said I said their words and used yeah. their language, yeah. but just said it as me. And they were like, yeah, you've got it. That's that. Because, again, I think yeah. it is easy. And that makes perfect sense of I'm sure I would do exactly the same. I would become a vampire and be a vampire. And it's like, yeah. what are you doing? That's not <laughs> – you're meant to be a real vampire, not a vampire in a film. It's very easy to – yeah, you do kind of slide into, and I'm going to start speaking like yeah. this with yeah. my – you know, which I, I probably do speak a little bit like that sometimes yeah. in the show. But it's very easy exactly to fall into those tropes. And I think that's – I did. I definitely did that when I come out – at drama school, when I come out of drama school, I would go in thinking, oh, I need to act like I'm from 1900s. Yeah. Is a like without realizing that there were just people in nineteen hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they were still just human beings, but would adopt this slightly stiff manner of walking or talking or something. Hence, why I probably didn't work much. Yeah, a, a big thing for me is acknowledging that so much of the work is in the script. Mm. Again, I think actors want to believe that we are this 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 magnetic force that is going to change everything and with me here it's all going to be different yeah, yeah. you you yeah. need to do your job you need to bring what you bring but the script is the is the key there so it's that kind of as as you said if, if the script is feeling authentically medieval or whatever else then yeah. you need to just go and be a real person and let their words yeah. set, set the period rather than your actor voice <laughs> No. Totally, totally. And you know, particularly on something like a Discovery of Witches, and I, I, seem, I think Al Pacino said something like this once as well. And, and Discovery of Witches, I really felt, um, you know, in season two, uh, when I had on, when I put on my costume, when I put on my wig, and when I got on to the, which I fucking loved, of the, I, I've won a few wigs in shows, and I've hated a few wigs in yeah. shows. This is the best wig I have ever had. People thought it was my real hair, amazing. even when they were really close up to me. It fitted my head so well. The costume was amazing as well. I mean, as I said, the first season all looked stunning. And what I've watched of the, the, the second season, it's just not its not slowing down yeah. there. It's exciting when it's yeah, no, when things look that that beautiful. It really is. And, you kind of, and you're on set, and I feel like um, that's like 90% of my work. Yeah. Is already done, and as yeah. long as I can hopefully say the lines in the correct order and bring bring something yeah. to it as well, but so much of the character, and that's why I think. Well, I totally, totally agree with you. It's not like actors just walk on and oh yeah, maybe there's a bit of magic or a bit of alchemy or something. Course, but yeah. we need it. We need a good script. You know, you need you need so many other elements for you to be good. Or oh, as I mean, I was going to say, and it, it it sounds like I'm now just. Tr- trying to get work but um I, th- I think the casting directors <laughs> are a big part of that alchemy because again i think oh, totally it takes so much out of the work side of it if everyone is there together and and, and it clicks yeah. and it works and you as much as you can see the character as soon as you put the wig on and everything so can they you know as yeah as, as everyone yeah. comes together it's like right this is us now all, all we the main thing we need to do as you say is get the words in the right order we've totally. got the characters here it's 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 done it totally it's done the job like being married to a casting director and a, you know i've really seen over the last few years it's it's a, it's a job that i never used to fully understand and i think a lot of actors and certainly in my early days as well you have this almost feeling that casting directors are against you or something this misguided thought that they're not for you yeah 
and they just totally, they're for every single actor that comes into that room. They want them to be brilliant, you know, and yeah. be the one that can, that can get the job. And, um, oh, that's what I think now anyway. And, you know, it's such a highly skilled job as well. They yeah. do so fucking out. My wife works so hard and they're across so many aspects of the production. I'm glad that it's getting the recognition and it's getting some awards now as well, mm. because I don't know if it's ever been, uh, recognized like that before. Think- and, because like you say, if the casting's right, then you rock up and it's like... And again, I think you're right. I think Brett, again, our friend Brett Goldstein has always laughed at me a bit because <laughs> I'm always just, I'll come out of things and go, I, I love that. Like, I'm really into castings and casting directors. I thoroughly enjoy them. I think they're amazing. I've only had like one maybe that I thought was a bit of a dick. But I think part of that as well is because I didn't come through drama school. And again, t- t- to be clear, if it sounds as if I'm saying everything's good because I didn't go. There's so much I wish I'd gone to drama school for. Every time I'm on set, I'm like, man, I wish I'd had more prep for this. But I think because you're in drama school, you're around your peers all the time. And I think that might subconsciously bring in a competition of the casting director is is this thing that we have to overcome. Do you know what I mean? Mm. As you say, that they are the enemy in some way. But the first gig I ever did... Neil Maskell gave me a copy of Andy Nyman's Golden Rules of Acting. I love Andy. Which is absolutely amazing. And in that, one of the first things he says is, the casting director wants you to get the job. Because, as you Mm. say, they've got you in because they want you to get the job. And even on a more simple point of view, if you get it, then they can move on to the next character or, or or role or whatever yeah. else they have to do so they're yeah. they're on your side they want you to do good and that i think that set me up really well early on that i'm going in each time thinking we can do this i'll do my best and you do your best yeah and we'll and we'll yeah, get yeah. the role and we can move on kind of thing totally and also another thing as well and you know that i've you know that i really learned uh from from Callie too like i've done a lot of uh not so much the last few years but certainly uh you know a few years ago i've done a lot of uh, small parts in, in big films or, or parts with like three or four lines or whatever. And, uh, you know, sometimes I would get a little bit, my ego would be a bit offended when I was asked to come in and audition for this stuff. And Callum was like, they're not asking you to come in because they think you're shit. They're asking you to come in because they think you're good and yeah. they want every single part in this film to be good because we are not thinking, oh, it's all right. We'll get Stephen in. He's a bit shit. And that part of the film might not be so good, but that's <laughs> yeah. all he's good for. So it's fine. It's like we want, you know, because it's like they talk about keeping the ball bouncing. We talk, they talk about that in theatre sometimes. Right. And if the ball gets dropped, yeah. you notice it. So yeah. it's like, it doesn't matter if it's one line, if it's one word, if it's a look. Yeah. If it's a bit shit or something, you notice it. I was like, all right, okay. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And because we've got, you know, I, I'm much, 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 much thicker skin now than I used to be. But I've definitely been a fragile, sensitive <laughs> sort over the years, you know. Yeah. Uh, I still yeah. am, but not as much. I I I think yeah, I'm I'm the same. I like to think of I'm very thick skinned and all that, but I've recently in this period of, of, of lockdown or whatever, I went back and just thought I'd have a look at an update on a on a role I went that I was up for and didn't get. It was one of them that in general <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at doing them and forgetting and moving on. And this yeah. one I was like, I really wanted that, but I got amazing feedback and they 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 decided to go from a particular region rather than casting yeah broader and i know that they wanted me and all this kind of thing so i'd i'd got all 
I'd said all the nice things to make my ego feel okay without getting the roles. So I just went in out of a pure fan of the director to say, oh, I wonder how that's going. I'll go on IMDb. And Bjork had had been added to the cast and it just killed me because I'm a huge Bjork fan. So not only Uh, had I not got this role that was a dream director, a dream role, a dream project, I I would have also been working with Bjork in her second, like her only role since Dancer in the Dark, which was... Just mind blowing, and I had a yeah. couple of sleepless nights on that, just laying again. Yeah, fuck's sake! What? <laughs> this is so annoying. Ah, uh, I've de- I've definitely, I've definitely done that. I mean, I had to go through. It was a, a long spell where I was like, I, I just, I need to eject IMDb. Yeah. Off my, off my phone and my computer. Yeah. It's like it used to be like self harm. Yeah. In a way, <laughs> yeah. I'll just go. I'll do, and I would film. I'll just go and check. I'm just interested. Just want to see what it is. Just want. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck. I had a period where three different things in a row went to Carl Urban, which it turns out I was like, "What's going on? Why am I up for them? Carl Urban's amazing. Clearly, you're going to go with Carl. If there's a choice of me or Carl Urban, pick Carl Urban, obviously. Yeah. But stop yeah. teasing me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've had I've had the worst of worst. I've been up for a job before, and Brett Goldstein got it. I've <laughs> genuinely me and Brett cr- cr- cracked up because I had I had a casting once, and I went in, and it was one of the first things I'd gone for, like which was comedy, and yeah. it went well. And again, I get, I get on with casting directors, so we were chatting afterwards, and I said, "You know, I'd be good good for this role. Have you seen Brett Goldstein?" And I came out and I mentioned it to Brett. He's like, why are you recommending other people in your own castings? This is the, you're yeah. the worst actor ever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is bad. But I'll, I mean, I'll wrap things up now. Um, we've not touched upon Outlander, which we've not got time to, but, you know, you, 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 your fans will be furious that we've not touched upon it. But you've talked about it a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been so that, listen, I've mentioned Sam Hewn, I've mentioned Hewn Talks. Yeah. It's an offshoot of Outlander. It's, it's like, you know, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's good. The, the, they enjoy Hewn Talks as much as Outlander now, I think, to be honest. Well, there's two things I want to end on. Um, number one, how is it having mm-hmm. a, a character and a role that you kind of know the path of? Because that's kind of a rare thing in, in TV, like that you know in the yeah. next series it's 400 years on and you've got this cool biker character yeah that must be great right because in general particularly in tv you're going a series at a time more often an episode at a time not really sure what is around the corner and what is what's going to happen do you know what i think it's both it's both a mostly a blessing but maybe a little bit of a curse in the sense that yes you get you know because i I love the books and i think you know fans uh, fans will get disappointed sometimes when certain things are left out of the tv or film adaptation but of course Mm. You cannot get everything in it. What's that expression? You have to kill your, is it kill your, what is it? Writers, they have to kill, kill your darlings. Kill, kill your, your darlings. darlings. You know, so, but there were certain parts and there's a, there's a journey that it goes on in book three that when I read that, when I read the synopsis and when I got the part, I thought, right, even last year, I thought I'm really looking forward to getting to play because that's a yeah. part that by that point I've been alive for about 800 years and there's a storyline that happens it can only happen when you've been alive yeah. for 800 years. Amazing. So I, I was very excited about the prospect of playing that. I was a little bit like he's his physicality is described a lot. I'm a bit like, in the, in the books he's kind of described as towering over everyone a lot. I, I'm 5 foot 10, 5'11", 5'11", with heels. Um, <laughs> so I don't exactly, uh, I don't tower over everyone, but I made a real commitment to being in the gym 
all the fucking time and I got physically, I think I, I physically in the best shape I have ever been in. Fantastic. I did, I was a little bit, which is, which has been great, but also because it's a TV series, there was a bit of me that was like, fuck, I'm going to have to do that for a while. That's yeah. not just for like a few months uh-huh. for a film. I'm going to have yeah. to do that for at least 18 months. Yeah. And uh, that's been, um, my my body has been getting a little bit uh, sore Exhausted. Uh, recently. So I'm almost, yeah, yeah. But mostly, do you know what? Mostly it's just really, uh, really exciting, uh, like you say. I love it. Well, t- to wrap things up, another thing I enjoyed at the start of this year was Cobra. Um, I thought it's, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Do you think our government wish they were more like Cobra than the thick of it? Because they're clearly the thick of it. But I think I think you watch Cobra and it was all so slick and so well thought out. Yeah. And then you turn on the TV yeah. and see the actual government and go, Ah, oh, yeah. can't we have can't we have the Cobra guys doing this? I know, I know. Listen, I think like but I became really good friends with uh, Robert or, or Bobby Carlyle doing yeah. that and he what like you know, when we're doing it, he was he was a bit like, Yeah, you know, I you know, I have to say, Steve, I was me, you know, as a as a Tory Prime Minister, I I, I kinda wondered myself yeah um but you know i think he does a cracking job in it and it was so weird you know we're filming that and i remember when it came out now i think it did do i think it did do pretty well anyway i thought that was going to and i think a lot of people involved in that i thought it was going to do like incredibly yeah well and i, I don't know how was, you measure those fantastic. things fantastic it was so again yeah. everything was so polished and yeah yeah Nicely, yeah, it all worked so so well. Uh, well, it, well, they're doing a season two of it, so yeah. it, mu- it must have done pretty well. Yeah, I remember a couple of the reviews when it first came out, kind of suggested it was a little bit far fetched, or yeah, or you know, stretching the realms of believability. And then, like a month after it came out, we've got a fucking worldwide pandemic, and you're yeah. like, oh, hold on a minute, like it almost didn't go far far enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. So much of what Ben Richards, the writer, creator of that, is amazing. I think, I mean, I love, he, he also included, especially for me, which I was very proud of, uh, I probably can't, I won't say it, but the C words. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. which you do not hear much not on, t- on yeah, TV. Yeah, it's true. And, and I think Sky actually, I think it got edited out at one point, but then they put it back in because it is so much part of the story. And, um, Ben wrote that in, uh, especially for me, which I'm, strangely quite proud of actually yeah yeah a hundred percent well i mean to 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 wrap things up and this is just on a personal i i need to share with you that a mate of mine um has got a song out at the moment that's currently around number two in the charts for christmas number one called boris johnson is a fucking cunt so again it's (laughs) and again it's even rarer that you get to see words in in the charts so it's 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 an exciting time that i mean this will come out way after that but it's exciting that we've got the potential of a christmas number one that 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 has that wonderful terminology in that well thank you very much man it's been a pleasure um i don't think we've done any help to the kind of, you know how Americans always think all British people know each other or all Scottish people know each other. You've mentioned being mates with yeah. James McAvoy and Robert Carlyle, so now they are just going to assume that that is, <laughs> that is the case. They're all pals. But, um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. I'm glad we've finally got to have a chat and a, and a, and a catch-up on it all. I look forward to, to all that's ahead. No, cheers, mate. Thank you. Take it easy. Take care.
You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 364 with Stephen Cree. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I loved having that conversation. We got to have a little bit of a chat afterwards as well. That was an absolute joy. Um, speaking of which, actually, next week's guest, it's a 90-minute conversation, and it's one of the best 90-minute conversations I've had. And then we chatted for a further half an hour after we stopped stop recording so that tells you how good next week's podcast is yeah am i going to tell you who it is no i think i'll hold off i think i'll hold off it's someone who's been talked about on the podcast a lot and has been requested for a long time so yeah you're going to love that one other than that still as this strange era in 2020 we could keep saying what a weird year in 2021 we've got to kind of refer to it as an era now because it's (laughs) it's still going man but stay safe, stay sane, and if you can, stay sexy. Ta-ta.